Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is Alan. And I'm Josh. And we are here, and this is episode something-something. We, we've done a lot of episodes so far. I was actually looking at them the other day, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, man, we, we might be close to like 70. We're up there. Um, man, it's all by God's grace. It's, it's, gr- it's awesome. Um, today, we're going to continue. Uh, by the way, just thank you guys for such great feedback about uh, you know when we were able to bring Cody in. Um, you know, it's not about what, how many 60. Oh, we're getting there. Um, <laughs> uh, but man, bringing him in first off, thanks Cody for taking some time out to come talk about how God's tra- just changed your life. Um, but we want to thank you guys for just a good positive feedback and, uh, we hear you and we are going to try to integrate. I know sometimes we get in these series, especially cause we're getting ready to start a theology series and, you know, Four weeks go by, and we're just, like, continuing in it. And so we're going to try to integrate, you know, bringing guests in, taking breaks, and really just spending time with people because, you know, uh, God has changed a lot of people's lives in our church but throughout this world. And so, um, you know, these opportunities that we have, we're, we're going to take advantage of them. And we know that you all like to listen to it. And, and while, you know, we do love God's Word, and that's what we base everything that we stand for and do on. We also know that you all listen to this while you're driving, you listen to this while you're at work, you listen to this, and so there is an aspect to it where we do consider, you know, what you all like, you know, we don't let our viewers, like, tell us what to do or lead us, we don't put votes out, um, but hearing people talk about how they enjoyed hearing someone's testimony and a good conversation about how God can just change people's lives, um, I feel like a lot of people probably related to that. And so, um, we, we want to do that too. Um, and we will. So, uh, you guys just keep us accountable on that. Keep us on our toes. Um, but we are here. Let's see the rest of this month. We are going to finish spiritual gifts. Uh, we actually are using our calendar now. Um, so next, next two weeks, we're going to do administration and serving. And then on the 29th of this month, we're going to do a wrap up and kind of just discuss about how spiritual gifts are given to people. Um, as God sees fit, and one, uh, we need to use them for the edifying of the body, and two, we need to uh, measure given, measure required. We need to be good stewards of what God's given us, Um, and and so we'll wrap up on that. Um, So today we're going to talk about the gift of giving. Um, Other translations might say giver, giving, serving, or not serving, sharing, um, we're going to discuss this today, and I think it's going to be a great conversation. Um, the first, before we even get into it, you know, this word gives, giving, uh, met ad idomi. I'm not going to say that again. That's your Greek word. If you're a pro at Greek and you're like, you butchered it, hey, great. Send me an email with you pronouncing it. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. But uh, it means this to give over, that is to share, to impart. Um, I'd like to read this quote by MacArthur, which says this, The sacrificial sharing and giving of one's resources and self to meet the needs of others. Now, this gift can be found, I believe it's in like Romans 12, chapter 8, where it says uh, giving of things. And, you know, let's start here, because we were actually talking about this before we even pushed record. Um, you know, my first thought, which... I'll say this, we're all ignorant when it comes to different things, and I'm not saying stubborn ignorance, which that is a thing, but I'm talking about ignorance in the sense of like, you just don't know, you know, and 
when I thought of the gift of giving, my first assumption, uh, I mean, my first, like, this is what this means, it revolved around money. Um, Now, obviously, like, when we look at, like, tithing, um, you know, give give as you feel led to give, God loves a cheerful giver. Um, That's what we read about in the New Testament. You know, a lot of people go to the Old Testament when it talked about, what is it, like, 10% or, I'm not for sure. Um, but when you get into the giving of money, obviously it's something that people have given. I know like Malachi talked to the Israelites once and said, you know, give God what's his, don't steal from him. Yeah, bring, bring it all into the storehouse. Yes. Yeah. And, but the thing was, is I think because money is such a hot topic in Christianity, but also in church, anytime people say give what you can or let's give or let's, you know, share I think the first thing that probably a lot of people would do, and this is just an assumption, this is an opinion, is kind of what I did when I first read this gift was, oh, giving. Okay, so this means I'm I'm giving money. But in reality, some of the things we're getting ready to talk about, which, uh, Josh, I'd like you to kind of talk about everything you just talked about before we started, um, is giving, like this definition, it just says give over, share to impart, so well, we talk about the world system as a whole, and yeah. I think that's probably where that mindset comes from. Is that you know, uh, that, that's the old American dream. I mean, you can have what you want to have if you apply yourself and strap them boots on and get up and go to work and set your goals high and yada yada. But basically, that's that's built off of a success that's all gauged by a monetary yes gain. And, and basically, uh, when our minds get viewing that, and if you if you spend time. Uh, surfing TV channels and watching some of the uh, the cable preachers and TV thing. That's basically yeah. all they talk about the when they talk about giving right. is you know sowing that sowing seed of fade. Yeah, and 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 I'm I'm giving, but in reality I'm expecting. Right, I'm not giving because I'm concerned about helping others. Yeah, I'm giving and with the hidden intent of ultimately recovering more than I gave. Which you know, it's it's selfish in its its own definition. So uh, giving here, absolutely, Josh. Uh, tell a bit of what we were talking about before we started recording. Well, the one thing was is that uh, for me, um, th- with the giving, is it's uh, everything that we have received. You know, you talked about we about getting more back in return than what you have given, or what you've planted. Um, it's all it's all by through Christ. Yep. I mean, you know, understanding his grace, understanding his mercy, understanding where we were prior to and though all because of him. And that's the thing that like if we don't take the time for us in the speaking of the resources to to you know, sometimes it's easy and that's what I was saying earlier was it's easy to give monetarily because it doesn't require anything. You know, what it gets tough is when we take the time you know, to to extend that mercy or to extend that grace or to go to a neighbor to witness or, you know, to take time out of our side because a brother or sister is in need and and stop what we're doing and to go and to share with them. The one thing that uh, the that I, I keep recollecting and going back to is that because of the work that Christ did, understanding that's a gift. That understanding is a gift. You know, when I study and I obtain more knowledge, that's a gift. 
when I am find myself to be patient, that also is a gift because that's not me in my natural state. Those are all gifts from God. So when we give, it's more than just a monetarily, you know, giving of the plate. Because the thing is, is that when you start doing it to the monetary or doing it because, like, you know, Hunter made reference to the, you know, that at 10th, you know, when you start doing it, then it becomes very systematic. Yeah. And they become under the law quick yeah, yeah. because it's like, oh, well, I got to give a 10th or I got to give this standard or I got to do. No, because then, you know, so where was one's heart at that yeah. moment of giving? Yeah. Are you doing it because you have to or because that's what the you know, law says? It's, it's, it's LPOV, point of view. What, what are you looking at from? Which perspective are you looking right. at from? And, and uh, that optimistic, uh, pessimistic, glass half full, glass half empty, doing it because I have to. Right. This is what I'm, I'm checking the box, you know, or... Am I looking at it as I've got an opportunity now? Absolutely. Uh, this is this is something that God's blessed me, and now that I'm in turn, I'm wanting to bless someone else. else? Yeah. I heard I heard a statement. Sorry. I'll, no, go I'll, ahead. I'll turn go the floor ahead. back over to you. I heard a statement, and uh, uh, it's all talking about uh, point of view. Mm-hmm. And uh, son and father go to the zoo, and the son's got his little you know juvenile son, six seven year old young kid. They're going through the zoo. They go up to the lion's cage, and the lion comes out, crouches down, slaps the ground, lays his ears back, shows his teeth, and lets out a big roar. And the little kid immediately turns and, and runs, wheels. Daddy, daddy, daddy. He's like, come back. He's like, no, daddy, the lion. No, son, come back. He said, no, dad, look at the lion. He said, I'm not looking at the lion. I'm looking at the cage. Don't worry about the lion. Look at the cage. So it's all about point of view. That's right. that's knowing. He says there's there's a protection there between between me and the yes. lion, and the kid's scared to death of the lion because all he hears is the roar. Right. And too many, I, I think that's as humans we get too hung up on the society as a whole and the media and yeah. gloom and doom and man alive, this world's you know so rotten and to a large part it, but. As Christians, we need to understand this is not our home. Right. We need to understand that there's much more for us to do. And from that point of view, our heart's now open. Right. And we give of our resources. Right. And it's by faith. By faith. Right. Because that's the thing. So if I mean, you know, just as a, a, a um, an example, a simplistic example, is if I had five dollars or you know as my resources, and you say, hey, I'm in need of a dollar, it's easy for me to go, yeah, here. I still have four. Yeah. I still, I'm, I'm not even, I'm still comfortable. Yeah. But what it, it changes is when I have that five and it's you all, come to, that's all, all I, I yeah, all you got. <laughs> and you come and say, Hey, I need, I need five. five. Yeah. That's where the true giving, you know, when the, the true test of faith, like, you know, because if we truly look at it as it, it is a gift to us and it's a blessing that God has bestowed on us and we say, yes. And cheerfully, because that's what it tells us, to give cheerfully, you know, unbegrudging, to say, hey, yes, and put our faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. At that, we have given a true gift. Yep. You know, and that's the thing is, is like, is so when we find ourselves giving, we have to make sure our hearts are right. Because if it's not, I mean, the little bit of thing that we did begrudgingly is useless. It spoils. Yeah, they talked it, about the, the Pharisees that like to hold their offering shake it yeah. up and make it rattle and drop it along just distance. so they know so it make a big old loud racket when he hit that that offering plate when it come around <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the little widow that give what was it two mites yeah all she had all she had absolutely all she had and you know 
thinking about giving, especially when it comes to money, you know, we we don't live under a legalistic law-based giving system anymore just because Christ was the end of the law. Not that he abolished it, but uh, the righteousness he gave was his righteousness imputed on us, not because we kept the law, but because he did. Um, and so when we look at giving, especially when it comes to like how people associate it with money, I think a lot of that has to deal with culture as well, yep. uh, demographics, you know, where we live, but also we live in a country where it's almost like a free market, you know, you make this, you trade this, you do this. And so, you know, living in a country that's based on the dollar, I mean, if we're just being honest, you know, people got to work to make money, but anytime you're on, you watch any sort of television program, which, you know, I'm not really big on television programs, uh, you know, money is involved. Uh, when you watch politics, money's involved. Sports, money's involved. So it almost seems like this concept of saying, hey, can you give to the church or can you give to this person has almost been, in a sense, like, poisoned and stained from the American economy-based system because if all we hear is money outside the church, then what's going to creep inside the church? It's almost like when you study out, and I, some people listening to this might get a little bit offended, but when you study out the the Me Too movement uh, of early feminism that came through the 80s and coming into the 90s, a lot of that was happening outside of the church. Now here we are. Now it's inside the church. And so this idea or this ideology about the giving of money has probably stemmed a lot from the outside country that we live in. And, you know, I I get it. Like, we need money to live in this country. Um, I also get it. You know, God does call us to give money. I mean, financially, you know. Um, But God also does say that when you love money, that can be the root of all evil, um, which stemming down to it, if you look at a lot of the things that are taking place, the sinful things in this country, it's all based on money, child trafficking, pornography, uh, alcohol, right, drugs. I mean, it all comes down to the dollar. It's why people push that kind of stuff. But when we talk about giving, we have to have a clear mindset. And kind of like Josh said, we have to have a good heart because you know, I'm young and I'm still immature and, you know, I don't make a lot of money. And, you know, there's been points where like some weeks it's hard, you know, I got to have it to pay a payment. I've got to have it to pay a bill. Right. And here I am, you know, bringing in my tithe and I'm kind of like, man, how am I going to make it? You know, I only have this much, but in reality with a bad attitude, I rob God of his glory. I'm not giving. I mean, it's like this, you know, they always say, do everything as unto the Lord. I mean, that simple transaction of dropping a tithing envelope or pushing enter on a, on a tithe, whether it's electronically or I drop it in a plate, if I have any sort of reserve uh, of dropping that, which I've heard Josh talk about this, meaning personally, uh, then I have, in a sense, robbed God of glory yep. of that moment to worship Him through monetarily giving. But... We're as much as we have to talk about monetarily giving because anytime you use the word give, people associate. We also have to like look at like what it really means, and by that we're saying that money is included. But I'd kind of like to read us a text if I can, which you know I even noticed that Josh's Bible has a little section that says the doctrine of giving. I've never really referred to it as a doctrine. I've just referred to it as this is something we are called to do. 
And one thing that you'll notice in our facility at Watson's Chapel, um, but also a lot of other churches, is we don't teach nor endorse community living. And by that, it's like in Acts chapter 4, we get to the end, and it says the congregation of those who believe were one heart and soul. Not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, and all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each the extent that uh, any need that was needed, right? And number, or verse 36, now Joseph, a, a Levite of, of superior birth, uh, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, owned a tract of land. So he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, we live in a day and age where I saw a video last week of prosperity guys laying money at their feet, you know, take this, we're going to... But in reality, when that service is over, that just goes in their bank accounts. But here, we see that, yes, the church did take care of the apostles, but... It's not that they literally laid money at their feet. They gave them the money because they all got to the point where they were one heart and soul. Now, the beautiful thing about this is in the context that these were the the apostles. This was the early church that just happened in like Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. It's beautiful because it's all coming from a pure heart and leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. But the bad part... And you're like thinking, you, Hunter, oh, there's a bad part to this? No. Is men take this model and use it as a false template to gain money for their own bank accounts. But what I love about this is as a church, we don't teach or state that this is how we should live. But the attitude and the characteristics is something we do teach and we do encourage. Now, while me, Josh Allen, and Grant, we don't live on the same piece of land and we all take our income and everything we own, and we don't put our names on it, right? Josh has his tools, Alan has his tools, Grant has his own, and I have my own, right? This is an analogy, Grant. I know you gave me a weird look. But it's like to say, you know, let's say that, you know, Alan needed a chainsaw, and he didn't have one, but Josh did. Or a hammer drill. Yeah. <laughs> then they would come together and be like, hey, you know, here's the situation, and they would share. I kept it for two weeks. <laughs> but the, the simple analogy and the simple picture kind of portrays what the early church was doing. They were at a point where they were like, we love the Lord. We're on fire for the Lord. We want to serve the Lord, but we want to serve each other to the point where they're like, let's all just give everything we have together and let it be evenly distributed out. Now, a lot of this happened because the economy back then, there's a lot of poor people, a lot of poor believers. They took care of them. But another thing is obviously that this did not continue as the church continued to grow. But the idea, the characteristics, and the fruit from this still continues within the church today. Why? Because while we don't live together, we are one body. So if this body needs something, we, we need to facilitate that need. Or if this body, one part hurts, well, we all hurt because we're all one body. So while we physically don't live together, oh, look here, spiritually we are the body of Christ. And so I love this analogy because the sharing that took place, even this guy, this Levite named Joseph, right? He had a, a track of land, he sells it, right? So that it can benefit the believers. This is an act of giving. So here we are in 2021, and we want to associate everything with giving money, but in reality... 
that is a piece of it. But here's the question. If we are called to serve each other, if we are called to live in one mind, one accord, there is an extent where we are called to be there for each other and to give and to share and to help. But the other thing about this is, my friends, don't associate the gift of giving with how much money's in your bank account. Nope. Now, some people are blessed, right? Some people have money. Some people have a lot of items that they can give out. You know, I knew a man one time that uh, he had a lot of money, and one thing he did was he went to pastors, and he gave them free vehicles so they could use them for their families, right? Awesome. But what about the person that doesn't have a lot, but they have a lot of time that they can give, kind of like Josh portrayed? And I think we also need to understand that a lot of people are going to be gifted with this specifically because that's what they do, is they help others get along in this life. But what I love is, if it's a sacrificial sharing, it's almost like it's it's a sacrificial giving. You know, I, I'm pretty sure Scripture even talks about, you know, giving but not expecting in return. You know, what if, if they need your cloak, give it to them, right? Yeah. And so this sacrificial giving, it's like, you know, if Alan knew that... I Here's an example. If Alan knew I needed a refrigerator, which I don't, if Alan knew that, and through the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Alan felt led to give me that refrigerator, sacrificing it for me, right? Then, biblically, Alan has now practiced the spiritual gift of giving. So, one, don't associate it with just money. And number two, my friends, look in your lives right now and think about this question. How could I give? How could I give, right? Because we're all going to be gifted for this to some capacity, right? Because we're a part of the body. We're all going to have to participate in being part of the body. But even what I love is, you know, Josh, is he was in 2 Corinthians 8. And I actually have 2 Corinthians 8 right here. But like even like when you look at um, why do we give? I mean, what's our ultimate purpose, right? Well, I mean, what did Jesus do? I mean, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, which he was... Yet for our sake, he became poor so that by his poverty, you might become rich. Wow. In this manner, I give judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire doing it. So now finish doing it as well so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing of it and how you have, what you have. And what I love is ultimately... We don't just give to give. We give because our Savior set the perfect example by giving his life. But giving up heaven. I mean, think about this. The man, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Not you know Nothing in the beginning was made without him. So literally, Jesus was present at the beginning of time. And he's always been present. So... You know, the Lord saw Solomon's kingdom. He gave him that. The Lord saw David's kingdom. He gave him that. The Lord knows what all of us in here in this room may. And so if the Lord, the Lord, and the King of Kings, right, his high majesty, the one in Revelations that's going to come back and destroy all things and renew, we have to understand, like, Jesus gave that up. I mean, think about how comfortable he was. Now, I, we're not going to be able to really step into those shoes because we're not Jesus, but think about the reality he lived in of being able to speak and a fig tree is cursed and loses its fruit or being there when all things were spoken into existence. I mean, this is the king of kings that literally the Bible says that the earth is his footstool. And yet 
he trades complete perfectness. He's not even surrounded at sin, you know, because he's God. He he's dwelling right perfectly, and he takes on flesh as John chapter one verse fourteen. You know, the Word became flesh, and even though he was still perfect and he never sinned, well, now he's going to be born from a carpenter. Yeah, now now he's going to have to know what it means, which he already did because he created it. Now he's going to have to experience being tired. He's going to have to experience hungry. He's going to have to... He He's literally taking on poverty because anybody who lives in this body is living in a poverty state because, why? We're, we're sin. But then, not only that, you know, Jesus at the age of 30 begins a ministry where he himself says, you know, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man doesn't even have anywhere to lay his head. So not only is he having to walk all these miles, but he wasn't guaranteed a place to sleep even though he was God and he knew where he was going to sleep. He would fast. He would pray. You know, a lot of times they would have to figure out how they were going to have food and what they were going to do. His life was threatened. And, you know, he comes in riding a mule and they're crying Hosanna. You know what I'm saying? And so literally Jesus, who was rich and had it all, became poor so that we would become rich, right? John 10 says he's the door. And because he's that door, when we put our faith in him, we enter into the door of eternal life and eternal inheritance forever and ever. Amen. But here's the thing. It comes with a cost. Jesus sacrificially gave everything up, even to the point where he became sin, who knew no sin. Cursed is man who hangs on the tree. And this sacrificial giving was for us. So now, you're telling me that here we are in the New Testament church, and Jesus just asked me, and the Bible asked me to share my goods and my, my money. Go ahead, Alan. So, First John chapter 3, verse 15 says, <laughs> and for, we get into a lot of conversation about, hey, is... Uh, immature Christian or a cold and indifferent Christian or some Christian that is not in the sanctification process right and really uh, it's not fair for me to judge if that person is actually in that position spiritually or if they don't know God at all so that's a that's a that's a judgment that God needs to make Bible tells me to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling and to know that uh, my relationship with him is genuine but these days when we go visiting and we knock on doors and we say, hey, we'd like to see you come to church. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. You know, I belong to such and such church. I ain't been 20 years. I was baptized. Right, right. I was baptized. <laughs> this, that, and the other goes on. First uh, John chapter 3, verse 15 uh, says, uh, Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. And we know that no murderers have eternal life abiding in them. 16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down ours uh, for the brethren. 17 says, But whosoever hath his worldly goods and seeing his brother in need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in that person? So it's, it's, it's more about recognizing the need understanding through the power of the Holy Spirit 
here's an opportunity for you to bless somebody. Mm-hmm. And then you shut your bowels of compassion and you withhold that. Mm. Mm. So, Alan, I'm pretty sure also in another place, uh, the Bible talked about if someone comes to you in need and they need all these things and then you just say go be warm go be warm go god, be full god yeah. bless you're not really hungry it's mind over matter yeah <laughs> then that that's not a, that's not that's no good that's no good hey he said if you give a cup of water that's it it's good but also you know then we get in that famous text he's like when i was hungry you didn't feed me when i was naked you gave me no so we have to understand that what alan just read but also like what a lot of the epistles preach is hey if you're a Christian, you should have the heart to give. Absolutely. And I listen, I, I'll say this. I have been at places in my life where I have, someone's like, I need this. I need help with this, right? And my first response is to become stingy and to say, well, I can't. But do you know what happened once I told them that and they walked away? Some good conviction from the Holy Spirit of God settled in and said, no. You need to go help this person, and you need to give. And you know what I did? I went and I found him. I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, right? But the reality is, is as Christians, we are called to serve one another and give to one another. But the reality is, is there's a spiritual gift that this scripture has now taught us that's called giving. And this talks about the person who is able to give things and be there and not hold things in contentment against a brother. I mean, that's strong. He said, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. Yep. Wow. I, I mean, that's strong, right? And we're definitely not called to hate people. We're, we're called to love people. And I wonder this. We also serve a Lord who one day was filled with compassion because he had been preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he looked out, and he said, they're hungry, Right. And the disciples at first were like, well, Lord, we, we don't have, how are we going to pay to feed all, what are we going to do? And he's like, go get some bread, go get a couple, just go get some fish, and, and I, I'm going to do something. What's he do? Multiplies it by the power of, of God that he is and feeds every single person. And so we have to understand that literally Jesus set the model and example of what it looks like to give to other people time, Right? Dude, he, he literally went and sat with tax collectors and ate with them and talked with them. He didn't party with them and, and, you know, share stories. He went and talked to them so that way they could hear the gospel and that they could hear about how he had come to bring salvation. And Jesus would give that time. He would give that food, but ultimately he paid the price. And you read it, Alan. We should give our lives, right? We should give that. Do you know what it means to give your life? There should, there should be there should be a difference. Yes, between a child of God and an unsaved person, there should be a difference mm. between the way we interact wow. with folks. There was a difference. You talk about when Jesus went to uh, Jacob's well and, uh, and the woman from Samaria. Yeah, he looked at her differently than the rest of the men looked at her. Mm-hmm. He looked at her <laughs> soul. He didn't. Hey, listen. He didn't go there just because he's tired and he needed to sit down. No, he had a bigger. He he knew what was going to happen yeah. that day. He was waiting for her, and it, it just it. You, Alan, you hit it. I, I mean, think about this. Such a and I know we're talking about right now giving as in the spectrum of we're called to give. And again, I, we've all hung our brains up on that money thing. And I and and I get that. And, and I know that you know today specifically about people who have a spiritual gift to give. But I'm here to say this. What Alan just said should exist. And and through such a simple, simple thing of giving, right? There is enough evidence 
that a person should be able to look in their heart and decipher whether they are a child of God or not based off their intentions and why they give yep. to their brothers and sisters. Absolutely. But here's the other part. You might be thinking, well, I do this giving thing a lot. Jesus also said that lost people know how to give good gifts. <laughs> right. And yeah. so, so we have to understand that when we talk about the spiritual, and I, I, we didn't plan it to go this direction, no, we did not. but there's enough evidence right now, right now, for you to stop. Listen to this. Get the Word of God out and ask yourself, why in the world do I give? What What are my intentions? Am I doing it to be better? Am I doing it to, because me and God have some deal worked out? Or am I doing it because I'm a born-again believer who Jesus Christ has commanded Huge to follow? Huge difference. Because like you said, even the, even the lost people know how to give, right? And somebody asked me, like your kid asked you for a fish, you're not giving him a scorpion. Gotta, right. You're not going to give him just for bread, don't give him a rock. You know yeah. how to give. But the bottom line is the intentions from my heart. What motivates me? I mean, it's kind of like this. It's like, you know, and I know our, our listener. I have this pen in my hand right now. There's a difference between God convicting me and saying, you need to go give this pen to Alan. You don't know what all he's going through. You, you don't know what's going on. But man, he, he just needs help right, right now. And then from leadership of the Holy Spirit, I go to Alan. I say, Alan, I want you to have this pen. Now, Alan will be like, "What? you don't have to do that. You don't know. I, I'm impressed by the Spirit to give you this. I don't want to know the stories. I don't. You just take this. And then all of a sudden, and this is a small example, I find out that Alan hasn't had a pen for weeks. And now all of a sudden, God has given this pen to Alan for what? For the glory of God that Alan would worship in that moment and thank God for being the giver yep. of all things. But here's the other part. If I look at this pen and I'm thinking, well, you know, I haven't done a good deed in a while and. You know, last night I went out with my buddies, and man, we got drunk, and man, I, I I just need to do something good, you know, so I can be good with God and these church people. And know, you know what? Oh, you know what? I'm gonna take this pen right here, and uh, you know, Alan's a deacon down there at the church. Uh, I'm gonna go give it to him. You know, God, you see this good gift I'm doing right now. Is that not what the the, the man said? Thank God that I'm not like this. Yep. Per- I mean, we're just being honest. Yep, yep. So even in the intention of how you give a gift or you serve somebody will reflect on the condition of your heart. And that's where I'm saying this. Listen, Christian, who's listening to this, I've been there where your heart's not in a good place and you're not giving like you're supposed to. But can I tell you something? It, it, man, it's like me and my pastor. We had a conversation today about a totally different thing. And I told him, I said, I'm going to come to you. If, 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 man, if this happens, I'm coming to you. Man, if this were to happen in my life and I need that, I'm coming to you. And he said, as you should, because the Holy Spirit should convict you and lead you to share your burdens, yep. right? And I'm sitting here thinking, wow. This is the same concept, forgiving. The Holy Spirit should convict me of having a bad attitude about how I give things because here's the reality. If that conviction's not there, there's a bigger question that needs to be asked. Because if His Spirit is not going to bear witness with your spirit that you're a son of God or a daughter of God and that you need to give because Jesus Christ commanded it, then you're not a child of God no, and not. you don't have the Spirit within you. No, you're not. And here's me being a little judgmental. I'm sorry that I, I, I am this way. Uh, I won't mention the name of the furniture store, but there's a commercial on TV where this owner of the establishment says, God's blessed us, and we were able to donate such and such amount of money to such and such 
charity, and he's blessed us so much, we're going to be able to do it again. And they've got one of them big cardboard checks that's, you know, about six foot long. Look what we did. Look here. Look here. We, we, this is the second time we've done this. Woo! Look how God's blessed us. Hey, Alan, let, here, let me cover Alan with the cross real quick. The Bible <laughs> says not to let your left, left hand, hand know what, know what right your right have. hand is doing. So anyone who's like, oh, uh, I can't believe he said that. I'm going to go tell my neighbor. The Bible literally says that that stuff needs to be done in secret. So if he's if he's uh, uh, on television on a commercial for a business. And he's playing this. And he's playing this card. He's not insulting my intelligence because I see through it. All right, big boy, I ain't buying none of your stuff. <laughs> right? You've got your reward. That's, yes. the it's Bible's, right here in the front Bible, of man. The Bible says yes. you're getting your reward right now. Yeah. And, and some people might listen to this and be like, Al, you know, well, Alan really shouldn't meddle. I, I, I dare to say this. Um, he's not meddling, my friends. This is it, this furniture store is not the only place. And I have no. no clue what he's talking about. This happens in the church. Listen, mm, I've seen people come up and do that in church. <laughs> Man, look at this check right here. Man, yeah. yo, look look at how much I'm giving. I had a guy look at me one time and say, wait till you see what old boy wrote his check for. Yeah. And I'm like, I shouldn't have to see it. Why does he want I someone to want see to that? I don't want to see it. I don't want to. Thank yeah. you. I mean, I, I, I'll do without. We'll you make, know, because I I, I want to still look at you. I'm going to make this donation for a memorial plaque for Papo Pippi Longstockings or whatever, and we're going to put it in the... And the reality <laughs> is, is man, listen, listeners, Christ has literally called us by the holy word of God to give. I want you to listen to this. Listen, when you get into Ephesians 4, all of a sudden, what I love is it starts talking about the new life. That we have in Christ. But also, verse 18, he starts talking about how people are darkened in their understanding. They've become callous. But in verse 20, he says, but that's not the way you learned Christ. He's talking to the believers now. So I want you, he goes through, be angry, sin not, don't give any opportunity to the devil. But then you get down to verse 28. Listen, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Yeah. Now, we're not talking about this today, but boy, 29, let no corrupt talking come out of your mouth. Man, that'd be a good subject. But in 28, he literally says, listen, to the thief. And this is a great example. This is a high, uh, this is like, if this isn't like a simple example. This is a highly exaggerated example. He says, let the thief no longer steal, but now instead of stealing, let him labor let him do honest work with his own hands. Why? So that way, if someone is in need, he has something to share. Truly sharing and truly giving only comes place from being a regenerated, born-again believer. Changing your heart. I don't want your stuff no more. I'm not going to steal right. your stuff. I want you to have mine, and I'm going to give it to you. And, right. and if you're listening to this, and you know you are a Christian, and I've been the example today. I'm a Christian. I know in whom I believe. I know that I'm in sanctification. But I also know that there's been times that where I've been stingy or I've had a bad attitude. Listen, check your heart. Yeah. Check your heart. Because yeah. listen... A lot of people use what? You don't have enough faith? No, I, I wouldn't say faith. I'd say trust. Because when money's hard and weeks are hard, the reason we don't want to give that, or we, well, we'll do it again next week and get back, is because up. we're not trusting God. Now, I'm not here to sell you a prosperity message. But I, I'll tell you this, and I'm going to keep a lot of the details private because it's between uh, me and Haley and our lives. Recently, we had a payment coming up. And God provided. 
I, I'm telling you, it, it was looking a little short, and all of a sudden, God provides. He does it a lot. Even though we're not worthy he does it uh, often. of his provisions. And he don't just do it to you, Hunter. He, he does it He does it to all his children. And that's what I'm saying is I didn't trust God in a lot of these circumstances because of this, this financial. But what I'm starting to see is just give and trust God in one way or another. It, it doesn't have to be a check showing up in the mail like a lot of these guys preach. Your church is right there. Your people are right there. And I'm telling you, if we can't truly give to God right, how are we truly going to give to people right? And a lot of this reflects your heart. I mean, if your heart's not right towards God... And your brother needs you're not gonna you're not gonna have the the and right more, mindset. So Christians can Christians can fail in this and, and fall short in this. But the reality is, we belong to a master. That if we will confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. But guess what? He won't only forgive us if we'll open his word. He will teach us through yeah. the power of the Holy Spirit how we need. It's clear. It, I mean, it's plain black and white right here in red, and you know. Josh kind of talked about, too, earlier, and I think people need to realize this. Josh was telling us this story which uh, about uh, when he used to live in Florida about basically a kid who, if you asked him, hey, if you could want one thing right now given to you, what would it be? And the kid's response would be time with my parents because his parents were super, super, super busy and their jobs were their priorities. The other thing I think we really need to say is, man, a lot of times, it's not money that people really need. Exactly. Yes. yes. So, if we, if we, as, or I'll just say, if I put a hundred percent of my faith and trust in the Lord and what He's done in my life, a lot of the things go to the wayside. You don't look at things the same way. You know, your your career is not as important as it once was. What zip code you live in is not as important as it once was. You know, the the thing is is that you realize and you reflect basically upon yourself and what you are doing for him and his work. So then we put emphasis then takes a shift and we start understanding the will of God. We cannot really know if a brother is in need short of them telling us, are we truly being in tune with God and being in prayer and being and being sensitive to those around us? Yes. You know, but that is not on our own accord. That is through being a hundred percent devoted and focusing on our walk with Christ. Yeah. And the thing is is like so when we we sit there and we look at things of our life I often reflect that like when the people I know that find out that they're terminally ill and the conversations I have with them at that moment, none of it revolves around stuff. All of the stuff goes away. What they do here is I wish I had more time. Yeah. I wish I would have witnessed to this person or I wish I would have spent more time. I wish I would have sat down and went fishing, you know, but it's, it's not even fishing. It's, time yeah it's exactly it's, it's being with the ones that you're closest to and that you love and i i i, I dare to say that there is a lot of elderly people in our midst you know i mean we were talking about it, uh, today with you know that sometimes the, it's not that they're not wanting to come back to church 
It's that their health won't allow yeah, them to. They can't. Well, is the brotherhood, is the unity of Christ, are we going in two of them? Yeah. Because what they're looking for is time. They can't do it themselves anymore. They can't go out into the you know yeah. society anymore. So are we taking time out of our side to go and do it? Or are we waiting until the time has came and their day has came yeah. and it has passed and says, I wish I would have got there one more time, yeah. but I just never could make it. And that's ultimately what it boils down to, because if we continue to look upon ourselves, we are never going to have the time. We're never going to have the resources. We're never going to. No, because, no. Because it's, it's, we're too focused. And if we were to break this down in like a big old economics class, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And we started talking about just value. Don't forget monetary. Forget categorizing by value. Mm-hmm. What value do you place on a soul? There you go. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And when it comes to commodities, time. What's it worth? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So how, as God's allowed us breath, and that's a gift. He's giving us breath. He's giving us our steps. He's giving us uh, every day that we get is a gift from God. Yep. He's, he's continually giving yeah. to us. What are we doing with those resources that he's given us? Yep. Right. Are we hoarding them? Right. Well. Are we burying them in the ground? What are we doing with them? Yeah. And, and I think, like, the concept of giving time is so important but needs to be so practical because it's even as MacArthur said we do give resources but we also give self and we have to understand that every circumstance is different it's like you know there I can tell you of a a situation of a guy who needed a lot of stuff right I mean home's not great food's not great and yeah we meet those needs but eventually it also comes down to that this man is capable of working but he won't so I felt bad a lot because I didn't I'd be like well he, you know I need this well brother I love you uh, I'm here for you I'm praying for you and I would feel bad saying that response but also the Bible says that a man that doesn't want to work shouldn't eat yep. so there's also another need right there that needs to be met but it's how we give them, give to them in that moment that will define how they're going to exactly. live their lives exactly. and so giving that time with this person but also the wisdom and the honest biblical truth is something that needs to be imparted and given to them. And I think the reality is, is like you can't buy a soul. You can't buy a friend. You can't buy, you know, there's a lot of things you can't buy. A lot of that stuff has to be well earned by time well spent. Yep. And, you know, it's even like here at this church. If all I did was show up once a month and give everybody 50 to fifty dollars I mean, what significance am I really building? Like, yeah, great. Everybody's $50 richer. Yeah, great. This is, But then the rest of the month, I'm out living like a dog in the world and really not living for God. I mean, for real, what advantage does that bring to people? What advantage does that bring to giving? And I use that in that picture to say this, that you just can't buy your way into giving. You can't buy your way into the kingdom of God, and you can't buy your way into the body of Christ. Nope. It takes time well spent, and I promise you, go read about Jesus' life and tell me one time that he talked about buying somebody. or buying. Now, did he talk about money? Yeah, he did talk about money. Uh, did they want to help people? Yeah, they did. Did they have money what they would spend on food? Yeah, they had some of that stuff. But the reality is, is Jesus painted the picture perfect. He said, you know, your father saw bread come from heaven, manna, right? He said, well, I'm here to tell you that 
I am bread from heaven. I've come to you. Right? John 6. There it is. Jesus didn't just give them more bread and more fish like he did before. He took time to teach them and explain to them that the bread from heaven was in their midst. Yep. And that John 4, he told the woman, he's like, you drink of this water, of this well, you'll never thirst again, right? And so we have to understand that when we give time or we give resources, it's really not for our benefit or for our treasure or uh, for our, uh, you know, persona in front of people. It's for the kingdom of God and for the hope and love that someone would put their faith in Jesus Christ. Exactly. And I'm telling you, like, it goes along, that cup of water in the name of Jesus goes a long way. Because when you give sacrificially, but you selflessly give to those in need, people are astonished. They're like, why do you not want something back? What, well, here, let me pay you. No, don't pay me. You just keep it. This is yours now. But why? God blessed me with this, and it's not mine, and now I'm giving it to you. Wow. And when, and when you look at the Christ and his approach, when he was with the disciples, he was teaching the disciples, he was giving them the 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 mission to to carry out and, and to establish a church. And the fact that with, with Peter and, and the, the tactics that he used to teach him, and he's like, man, who, who they say that I am? Yeah. And he said, <laughs> and he said you're, you're the son of God. And he said, well, you blessed are because... People didn't reveal this to you. Right. You didn't. You didn't learn this by reading it in the. You were shown this. Yeah. By God, and he had a reverence. Peter had a reverence for Jesus, and he had an understanding of who he was. But yet, Jesus went a step further to teach him, because he said, "I want to wash your feet. Mm-hmm. I want mm. to teach you humility. I want you to understand. I want to give to you a gift of a servant." Yeah. So, Serving a master. Do this to others. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. You're not washing my feet. You're not washing my feet. I know who you are. You're the son of God. I know that. I believe it in my heart. He didn't understand. And then what Jesus told him. What did they tell him? He said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. He said, oh, hang on a second then. Let me back up. Don't just wash my feet. Wash my head. Wash me all over. So Jesus went to great lengths to ensure his di- disciples understood. Did Peter get it right all the time? No, he didn't. He sure didn't. He messed up kind of, and I can kind of, you know what I'm saying? I can relate to <laughs> Peter a little bit. Oh, yeah. Mess up. Again. But that's sincere in his heart. He knew who Christ was. Yeah, no, yeah. you couldn't convince him otherwise. Yeah. And when you know, listen, when God leads you to give or to share or impart something, you're going to know. I, I mean, he's going to make it clear. And here's the thing. I believe in a sovereign, providential God who knows that what you're, he's leading you to give someone is exactly what they need. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. it's it's even like this morning in our service, and this has nothing to do with giving. This just shows you how God works. You know, our pastor, uh, he gives an invitation, and while they're doing the invitation, I notice that they start playing, uh, he knows my name, every step that I take, all that stuff. So I'm like, man. We've been singing for a while. You know, he's kind of closing. And I was like, man, this is so, this is a providential moment that's getting ready to happen right here. I mean, nobody's talked, right? So he prays. She's still playing the piano softly. And when he gets done praying, he starts talking. Well, all of a sudden, someone comes to the altar broken. And I thought, 
Oh, boy. <laughs> so what's Jake do? He picks that mic up, and he starts singing, and I thought, wow. Through ran- through decisions that the world looks at and say are randomized and spontaneous based on each individual. The piano player, our worship leader, and our pastor were all, and Jake, were all in the same accord without having to speak. Why? Because they were all being prompted. By the, Holy by the Holy Spirit for a specific purpose so that valuable. God knew the end of. So and that's valuable. what I'm saying. When God leads you to give, don't question it. Because here's yeah. the reality. There's probably a providential reason why God is aligning this experience and this opportunity to align because what you're giving will go farther than just someone gaining a tool. And while we're talking about economics, you cannot pay, you cannot place a value on that variable, the moving of the Holy Spirit and obedience to that, better than sacrifice. And this the Bible is says. And, and listen, this is a gift given. This is a spiritual gift. I mean, this is something that God gives to us. And so, the I guess the way to conclude this is Christian. Listen, all Christians who are listening to this, when the opportunity comes for you to help someone, give time, give money, give whatever God lays on your heart to give, do it. Just give a listening ear. That's it. But for those of you who are listening to this, and you know for a fact that you have the spiritual gift of giving, and that's just how God has used you and He's going to continue to use you, do it for yes. the glory of God. Absolutely. Do it as unto the Lord. Don't get the wrong motive or the wrong attitude, because if you do, it'll rob God of His glory, and then you're going to find yourself on your knees begging for forgiveness and re- confessing why. Because you know that you have sinned against God. Yep. And what I love is, listen, there, there's a big burden in this life. I, I mean, it, it's even like this. You know, uh, here in the next few few weeks, uh, Lord willing, if, you know, things go right and the voting goes right, um, I'm going to enter into my first pastorship here at Watson's. And it's one of those things that, man, I'm so excited. I'm so happy but the weight of qualification from Scripture eats me alive. Why? Because God has a command. God has a requirement, a qualification that He is saying all pastors need to meet. And the fear, which stems from immaturity, of not being able to keep one, burdens me. And now, you know, I understand... Paul wrote to Timothy, don't neglect the gift within you, flee your youthful lusts. Get, you know, I get that. That encouragement comes to young ministers. But now let's transition into just being a Christian. God's called us to share. Is that requirement and commandment not heavy enough to convict us and burden us? Should be. To do yeah. it. Should be. Well, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. Because yeah. I had a conversation with a gentleman this past week, and we were talking, and uh, he... Um, he asked me, he said, what, do you, what is your view on, you know, headship, leadership in the church and positions? And he's like, you think they're necessity or not? And I said, I told we were, we were engaged in this conversation. And I says, the one thing that scares me the most, and this is me speaking about myself, of any position, is the fact that when that position came, I could become prideful in my state. Yeah. And I told him, I says, you know, the thing is, is that there are men that are cut out for a position and hold a position and do a great job at it. And I says, and then there's other men that get a position and they don't do so well. 
And I said, the thing that would fear me the most and I would have to pray diligently for is that I would never become boastful in my own self-righteousness. Because I said, it would be too easy to stand there and say, Lord, thank you that I'm not like him. Yeah. Meanwhile, the sinner standing next to me beating his chest saying, Mm. Lord, forgive me for I'm a sinner. And I'm sitting there on my self-righteous little throne saying, Mm. you know, this. And I told him, I said, the one thing that we can do is to pray exactly that we set ourselves apart, you know, die to ourselves daily. Yep. That it's because it's of His glory, His righteousness, His work, not ours. That reverential respect, just like Hunter was describing, when you go into this with that fear of understanding that this is yep. not a a job at a factory. This is not. Yep. This is a. This is a. It's a holy calling. Yes. And if you if you view that from the biblical. Uh, perspective and you enter into it with a reverential respect for not only the position but for also god and he completely dependent upon his leadership then to me that is setting you up for success because you understand that we're all flesh and none of us worthy right and that's the thing to keep and that's what i was telling him i says you have to stay focused and understand that no matter how heinous somebody's sin comes to exactly. in your opinion that the, the sin that they are professing to you yeah and you're like man how could they do this i said don't turn a blind eye to your no, own sin because, i was like because you are just as sinful just as guilty yep. before god and if it wasn't for jesus christ and your faith in him yep you would be just as dirty just because like, i've got a title of attached to my name yes. doesn't make me a exactly right yes and, and that's why i told him i says make sure that the one that you are seeking you're seeking daily yep. because if you lose sight of that you know yep. and i mean I, I i pray for him he's getting ready to be into a position i pray for him and i was like you know i i'll i'm here for you if, if whatever yeah. you do yeah but be ready because yeah. i think i mean and it's not only that when you take a position and you make that professional stand or that, you know, that image stand or not pu- public, I think it's the word, yeah, yeah. public stand and say, yeah, yeah. you know, I am here. This is the position I'm going to take on. I'm going to do the Lord's work. Believe me, you're going to come under attack. You will be attacked. I think Hunter's, it, it, Hunter's probably already prepped for this and he understands that God looks at all of us equally. The world's not going to look at you the same anymore just because you're holding the position of a pastor. Right. And because of that, is that fair? Probably tra- tra- probably not. No. But <laughs> probably he, not. But even in, in the sense of the enemy in your flesh, try, try fighting against those things yeah. knowing that, that... And it's even like people don't understand... Like People do understand because if you study a subject in God's Word and then free, willingly break that... The conviction, the heaviness that's going to weigh because you have now grieved you the Holy Spirit. Yes. And so, now and now you've grieved you've grieved God, you've grieved his spirit, you're going to feel that conviction. But here's the reality, and I'll say this on Pass It Allen. So going into, you know, a lot of this stuff, you know, you study out these qualifications and one two things, right? Two things is you really have to pay three things. You gotta pay attention to what you watch and what you participate in because now you're supposed to be in a place where God pours into you and you pour into others, but if you let the wrong things pour into you, you're going to pour in wrongly into others or you're going to be empty. But the other thing, number number uh, number one, this last week, right, Wednesday night, I'm going through the, the children's wing, and these girls are, these little fifth grade girls are talking about a sister that bit them, right? And so I'm sitting there and we're all laughing. And I said the phrase, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, kind of like they were saying, 
And one little girl looked at me. Dude. She said, you know that sounds like you're saying the Lord's name in vain. Word supplementation. And I said... Or change, that's it. And at first, I was walking away, and it caught me off guard. And I turned around, and she's like, you should probably say something like, oh my goodness, so you don't say God's name in vain. And you know what popped in my head? Titus said we're supposed to be an example to the yeah. believers. Yeah. And, and Scripture also says that you're supposed to be hospitable. So when I see someone that needs someone to talk to, and I don't go talk to them, and I walk away, what do you think I think of? You're supposed to be hospitable yeah. to those. You're supposed to be this exactly. example. But here's the reality. There are things that we all encounter in Scripture. I mean, it's like what our pastor's been talking about, what we watch, right? The sensual sins that come through modern entertainment. Are we convicted for those? Are we convicted from watching those things? Are we convicted of our thoughts? Are we convicted because we hate our brother in our heart? And it's mm-hmm. we're and the reality is, what even with giving, man, if God's word says this, if, if this is what He wants us to do and be like, are we heavenly can heavily heavy, uh, heavily convicted? To seize the opportunity and keep God's words. Because Jesus said this phrase, and a lot of people don't put weight into it like they should. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Regardless. And here's the thing. Even when I fail him, 1 John 1 and 9 gives me a commandment. That if I'll confess my sins, he'll be faithful and just. So even when I fail to keep a commandment, there's another commandment that shows me that I'm his. But the reality is, is... I think a lot of people say they love him, and it's just words. Yeah. There's no action. Empty. And whether it's someone stepping into a pastorship or someone who has a spiritual gift of giving or the Christian that just serves on the bus or the kitchen, God's word is right here, and he has called us out to be a holy people. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. If your conviction is not heavy f- for when you do things wrong— you're probably not in God's Word enough. Because when you get into the Word of God and you see Scripture is becoming your life every day, one thing you're going to notice is the reality of brokenness. Now, this world tries to portray sin as good things, but 2 Corinthians 4 4 says that He has blinded the mind of the unbelieving. That's why that's happening. But the reality is. Is if you don't practice scripture or read enough, you will get to the point where you will become unsensitive to good and bad. You will start justifying your own actions. Yep. Lost people will get to the point where they're almost to a point of devoid, maybe reprobate. Christians get to the point where they're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. They're as dry as a potato chip. But the reality is, is we live in a day and in a time like everyone else who's ever lived on this earth. That sin is sin and good is good. And here is scripture calling us to stay away and to fight the flesh that's within us. The sin that remains in us as Paul said in Romans 7. We're called to walk in the spirit. We're called to walk worthy of the calling right? That we've, that's been put on our lives. We're called to move those things that easily beset us. We're called to live by faith. But the reality is, is if we're not in God's word enough to read that, we'll never truly experience heavy conviction and burdensome from grieving the spirit. Because if someone, a baby Christian 
does something wrong, all they can say is something doesn't feel right. Which we shouldn't base conviction off feeling. We should base it off what we know. But if you're not in the Word of God, you can only base it on your feeling. It's like, you know, I went through a phase where I was convicted. And I kept saying, I don't know what for. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Well, that's because I wasn't reading, right? But when we get into the Word, it's not that we have a slight conviction because we feel like we've done something wrong. It's, no, I've broken the Word of God. I've went against it. It's that progress in the sanctification process. And when we we start talking about things like we're talking about today and, and... accountability and and developing teams or systems and putting uh, uh, things in place to where we have people who are on our side that we are accountable to and we invite that what a special place that is because in reality whether we want to admit it or not we're accountable anyway we are We're accountable to God. We're also accountable to each other. Whether we recognize it or not, we're accountable to each Absolutely. other. And, and here's the deal. When we start talking about this and encouraging it, and if you're going to hold a position in the church, you should have a a clean slate as much as – and I'm not saying you have to be a holier-than-thou, no. perfect, and, and walk on water, but I'm saying this. I'm, I know I've got a lot to work on. Yes, I know I do. do. I know I've got a bunch to work on. But here's the deal. I'm not scared or intimidated by thinking that somebody might find out some stuff that's cause there's, God already knows. Absolutely. And here's the deal. As we as we work towards a, a, a common goal uh, with uh, Hunter moving into a position of leadership, that doesn't change a thing between me and Hunter. Right. I've, I've viewed him as my uh, basically one of my uh, – ones that I've tucked under my wing and I want to pour into him and, and uh, not going to astound him with a bunch of, because he's probably smarter than me on, on some of the scriptures. We're, we're all people. But here's what I wanted to, the things that God has allowed me to experience in life mm-hmm. and how to deal with people yeah. and how to have that uh, understanding that, yes, there's things we give and take and things we flex on and things we agree, but there's also some things that you have to be strong in. Right. There's also some things that you have to absolutely de- defend, contend for the faith. Right. Those things are important. And, and we have that system where we can come to each other, hold each other accountable. That's a, that's a special thing, especially because uh, what we see is the, the, the main goal, the big prize, the big picture is man that's that's attractive that's 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 beautiful and it's contagious and it's it's something that will absolutely i've seen it guys it will impact our entire community mm-hmm. and going off kind of what we were talking about about this reverence and this idea of god and i i know we're coming to the end but you know and we've talked about this text a lot but man in isaiah 6 Isaiah comes before the Lord in a vision. And Isaiah sees the high, the Lord high and lifted up. Guys, our our Lord is high and lifted up today at the right yes. hand of God. But you know what I love? Is you want to see a reverence and a conviction. Look at what Isaiah said. So he sees the Lord. And you know what he says? He says, woe is me. For I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
And when you look at this, if you never have come to a point in your life where you see the Lord high and lifted up, and you haven't said to yourself and to God as your witness, Woe is me. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. For I'm lost, a man of unclean lips. Yeah. And you experience what Isaiah went through in verse 7 where he says, He, he touched your, your lips. Your guilt's taken away. Your sins are atoned for. You're lost. But the other reality is, is as a Christian, you should never lose that reverence. Never. Because I'm never. telling you, when you get into the Word of God and you keep studying it and you keep seeing how holy it is and all of the requirements that and the commandments that He has given us to do and to live for on a daily basis... You find yourself a lot of times saying, whoa, is oh, me. Yeah. I got plenty to do. I got plenty to but work he, on. But here's the reality. <laughs> is when you get to those points, you get to what Paul said. Wretched man that I am. Who, yeah. who will deliver me? Yes, sir. And you focus on how you have been saved by Jesus. You live in a state of being forgiven. Yeah. You live in a state that if you mess up, all you have to do is confess your sins. But you also live in a state where as you grow, you experience John 15, that he prunes it so more fruit can be produced. Yep. We live in a day where we have to depend on on the one who cleansed our lips and atoned for our sins. And I'm telling you, whether it, it, it if, if, you know, take away the fact of a pastor under qualifications or a deacon under qualifications, let's put everyone on the same floor yes. and say, we are Christians. Take the titles away. And let's say, we are Christians. Yes. And let's open the word of God. Do you know what's hard enough? Man said, what's the greatest commandment? Yeah. Jesus said, love God. Oh, yeah. Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And secondly, love your neighbor. neighbor as yourself. <laughs> Try on keeping... these two hand commandments. Yeah. All. Yeah. Well, and I'm telling you... Hang on them. That's keep, it. All. Quit focusing. <laughs> Listen, if a person would quit focusing on all, all the details, and yes, the word covers so many things, if you'll just love God with yeah. all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you'll love your neighbor, you'll keep them all. But the reality is, is when we fail, then we're messing up. It's either we're not loving people right or we're not loving God right. Yep. And I'll say this, a lot of times it's going to stem back that you're just not loving God right. Yep. And you have got to continue to remember what Isaiah saw and Ezekiel saw. What Revelations teaches. You know, that song, you know, he, is he worthy? Is he worthy, right? Yeah, he is. Yes, he is. And I'm telling you, if realizing your condition, even if you're saved, if you can't realize your condition, that, you know, Scripture, you know, when you go through the Ten Commandments, if you failed one of those, you that's what you are. And you say, well, Hunter, I'm saved. I'm, I, I'm free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You do have the power to have self-control and say no to sin. But guess what? You're still a sinner. Yep. You're, you are still clothed in yep. flesh. Yes. And that's what I'm saying is embrace the reality that you are wretched, but also rely and embrace the fact that the grace of God. There's no way made. Yes, and they are temptation, right? For all of us. Yes. In in spite of my short, on my best, I wouldn't trust my best day of conduct and decision making and behavior 
to get me to heaven. Not my best one. Right. You, you know what? You let's, let's say, I mean, think about this. Let's say a man, you know, let's say Alan goes to work tomorrow, and this is hypothetical, and leads 20 people to Jesus on the work floor, right? You know what Alan can do? He can praise God, and, and pride can get him like we talked about a little bit. But you know what Alan can do? He'll go home, and he can open God's Word and still see. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm, wretched man, my, yeah. my righteousness is filthy yeah, rags absolutely. because it's not, it's not about us it's not, it's not. And not whether, one bit and whether we're pastoring whether we're giving whether we're loving our neighbor correctly if you will do everything as unto the Lord and you will love God and you will love your neighbor as yourself yeah. you will fulfill you will fulfill what Christ has commanded us to do but one thing it's like a lot of guys strive for sinless perfection, which no one's ever, ever, ever going gonna to get until heaven. But what I do, what I do see, is a lot of people, a lot of men, they get to a place of a, a healthy position where their flaws and their wretchedness keep them humble before God. Because if you ever get to the point where you're like, I got this, I'm good to go, man, here we go, I'm walking in the Spirit, yeah, f- you know, that pride, it comes before destruction, that mm-hmm. fall, it's right there around the corner. Yep. And so, my friends, use what God has done for you and brought you from and is currently saving you from to remember that the Lord is high and lifted up. Yes, he is. And we are a people, we dwell in the midst of, I mean, this church right here, Everybody has unclean lips. We've all got issues. But thank God that we've been atoned for. And so, my friends, give, serve, and love. Guys, do you guys have anything else? One last thing. Um, First Peter 2.17, honor all men, everybody we come in contact with. Love the brotherhood. You know, so as believers in unity, we come together instead of beating each other down. We need to be lifting each other up and encouraging and coming alongside if a brother's struggling. But then thirdly, it says fear God, you know, that reverential fear, understanding it's a holy, just God. It has nothing to do with us. And then lastly, it says honor the king, you know, to give respect to the authority that stands before us. But, Mm. you know, I mean, the thing is, is if we really look at that verse and I mean, that verse has been I've been it's been stuck with me for a couple weeks now. And it's like daily I'm asking myself, you know. Are you honoring all men? Are you loving the brotherhood? And are you fearing God? You know, because if we're really not, wow. if we're not doing that, what what exactly are we doing? Exactly. So we're just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> One of the boys. All right, yeah. um, guys. Y'all have anything else? God bless. God bless. All right. We'll see you guys uh, next time. Peace out. Mm-hmm.